Oh yeah, we're back everybody. Is the Apple Bits XL episode four. Brian Tong, your host here in the house. Welcome to everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. And I told you that we're continuing to make upgrades to this platform and changes with my show. So guess what? We have our voicemail box. Like our voicemail box is back. The number here is gonna be a little different. So get out your pen and paper or put this in your phone. The number to call the show, to call in, is 833-888-ABXL. Stands for Apple Bits XL, right? So again, 833-888-ABXL. Or you could just use the last four digits, 2295. Leave your name, where you're from, and get to your comments or your questions, and we'll get you in the show. I mean, this is what it's all about. And again... I'm doing this from the ground up, so if this is your first time listening or if you're enjoying what I'm putting out on my own, please support me at patreon.com slash Tong. You can start as low as $1 a month or if you know you feel like, hey, AppleBits XL is worth one cup of coffee a month, I'm so down with that. So thank you for everyone that has supported me up to this point and uh, we continue to grow. But yeah, new feature, baby. Collins coming back. All right, let's get into the show, everybody. This is a variety of rumors and stories, but you know we haven't led with Apple iPhone news in a while, so guess what? I'm gonna lead with Apple iPhone news. This comes to us from KGI Securities' Ming-Chi Kuo. Apple may offer two 6.1-inch iPhone models in 2018 with price tags as low as $550. Now, just to remind you of the groundwork of what we've heard up to this point, rumors, reports, all indicate and lead to the fact that 2018 will actually see three different sized iPhone models. A big 6.5 inch OLED screen based iPhone, a 5.8 inch based OLED, sorry, OLED based iPhone, and then this 6.1 inch LCD screen, which will be kind of the lower cost, more affordable budget. It'll be a little bigger. It'll be right in between, but it will not have an OLED screen. Kind of, I guess you could almost call it like the cost-friendly type of iPhone. The other thing that Ming-Chi Kuo makes in his notes is that he is expecting to see dual SIM functionality in these phones. So what does that mean, right? Both the 6.1-inch and 6.5-inch devices will support DSDS, dual SIM, dual standby. And why is this helpful? Well, this allows you to really with dual SIMs, bounce around to different countries without having to kind of go through the headache of that, that makes it a whole lot easier. The DSDS devices, dual SIM, dual standby, will also support LTE plus LTE connections, so they can be active simultaneously. This is just kind of more an advantage from the carrier side. But again, still, the rumor and the report, three new iPhones, but at least this 6.1 inch iPhone model, kind of the the in-between in size, but really it won't have as great of a screen, will be coming in with roughly, potentially, a price tag somewhere around 650 to 750 for the dual SIM and possibly 550 to 650 for a um for the lesser, the le- lower of the two with just a single SIM. So something to keep an eye out on. Also, this kind of report was kind of cool. Counterpoint research found that the iPhone 10, 10, 10, 10, accounted for 35% of total 
worldwide handset profits in the fourth quarter of 2017. That means the device alone generated five times more profit than the combined profit of more than 600 Android OEM manufacturers during the quarter. So that just means basically 600 Android phones, different companies that are building them out. The iPhone X itself generated five times more profit because, yeah, guess why? It starts at 999 bucks. That that might be a reason for that. Uh, the other Apple iPhones, including the 8, the 8 Plus, the 7, and the 7 Plus, accounted for a second large chunk of the global handset profits. So you have really the iPhone 10 at 35%, iPhone 8 at 19.1%, iPhone 8 Plus at 15.2%, the iPhone 7 at 6.2%, the iPhone 7 Plus at 5.0%, and the top Android phone um, based on handset profits, the Galaxy Note 8 with 3.9%. Then you even have the iPhone 6 at 1.8%, the Galaxy S8 Plus at 1.7%. Again, this is the fourth quarter of 2017. So yeah, they're making that money, money. They're getting that cha-ching. Another story leaked out, I guess you could call it a leak, but really just revealed, is that Apple uh, FCC filing for the iPhone 10 confirms that Apple had planned on launching a gold iPhone 10. I love gold. The look of it, the taste of it, the smell of it, the texture. I love Oh yeah. I love gold. I love that never. That will never get old for me. So there are images of it. The design is completely there, but it never happened, right? We saw a silver and space gray iPhone 10, but not a gold one. Some of the rumors speculated that Apple was trying to, you know, release a color for the 10 mid cycle, but also this kind of gold shade may not have just jived with the aluminum frame on the outside of the iPhone 10. Whatever the reason, right? We never saw a gold iPhone 10. We never saw it announced alongside of the product red iPhone 8 and 8 Plus, which, by the way, has a groovy commercial that I would have totally danced to. Um, but yeah, maybe I'm dancing to it when you don't see when you don't see me. But when you hear that song, it's just like bob that head beat. It's like you know, it's fun. It's fun. In new news, also Apple unveiled its new iPhone dis- disassembly robot called Daisy. Now, a couple years ago. They showed off their robot, Liam. They made this like snazzy music, not music video. They made a snazzy video to show how they're recycling and, you know, reusing some of the parts from previous iPhones. So Daisy now comes two years later. And actually, (laughs) I just thought about this. This follows along with the product lifecycle of an iPhone. They really do release a new model every two years. Think about that. Now, so it's been two years since iPhone had Liam. Now it has Daisy. They put out a new promo video for it, uh, which they claim is the, the most efficient way to reclaim more of the valuable material stored in the iPhone. Daisy is capable of disassembling and sorting parts from up to 200 iPhones per hour. That, that's better than what China can do, I can tell you that much. Now, Daisy's introduction um, is also coming alongside with Apple adding Earth Day donations to its give back program. So whenever, whether you're taking an old iPhone 
like an old, old one or even some of their other hardware just to recycle and send it to a store. Or if you're doing a trade-in, Apple is giving back like a, a, an amount of that to the nonprofit Conservation International. So they're helping that way. And Apple is always touted about being a green company, about using you know chemical-free parts that follow the latest EPA standards and things of that nature. But here's here here's here's the interesting thing. In response to this new robot, this Daisy upgraded robot, the Greenpeace actually criti- my voice is cracked. The Greenpeace criticizes Apple's recycling robot, saying it focus should be on repairable and upgradable product design instead of constantly having this churn to have people continue to upgrade and recycle. Now I see what Greenpeace is saying. They're saying, hey, can we have like a more sustainable long-lasting phone that can go longer and people don't need to upgrade every year. But I'm sorry, Greenpeace. Apple is the one that started this trend of upgrading your phone every year, every year. They're the ones that actually accelerated the life cycle phones and then Samsung jumped on it and other manufacturers jumped on it. Now, Samsung's like churning them out big time Where to the point where there was... There's a point now where, right, we don't, like I said, we don't really see new phones every year anymore. We see incremental phones, but really the big jumps in phones now come every two years. So Greenpeace is championing, right, make these devices more repairable or, you know, more easily repairable and have them last longer. But, and I think that's absolutely right from an environmental standpoint, but from an economical standpoint, you think Apple real Apple's going to do everything they can to say, "Hey, we're recycling these phones, we're we're reusing some of these materials," but they don't care about that. They're trying to they continue to show us they want to make money and more money. They're still the last time I think we checked, they were sitting on something around 280 billion dollars of cash. So, I don't think although yes, they're making the environment a priority to a certain degree, they're a business. That's what they're going to do. Just just accept it. But even just things like the iMac and some of their products that are really hard to uh, even just have user, user installable parts other than the RAM, even some of them, I remember some of the iMacs are completely locked down in the past where you can't even change out the RAM. Um, even some of the laptop MacBook Pros are like that these days that what you buy when you first purchase them, that's what you're going to get. Um, which also kind of made it made it a pain in the butt because in the past you used to be able to buy your own RAM for a lot of the machines and the RAM was cheaper. Apple overprices their RAM when you buy it directly from them. And guess what now? They're making more machines that don't allow you to upgrade that RAM. So if you want the most RAM in your machine, you're gonna pay up the nose for it and Apple knows that and Apple doesn't make it user installable at least on most of their machines they really lock them down now so it's just kind of something to think about here's also a really cool story that i found kind of fun you might have heard about this but the iphone's cracking methods are being used by law enforcement agencies um the fbi fbi hasn't outright said it but this product called the gray key think of it as like a a dark gray plastic box, and then it has two 
lightning cable connections coming out, kind of almost like two little white dongles sticking out of it. And basically what happens is you plug in someone's phone and it's able to crack their password. Now, previous reports have said, right, according to Matthew Green, uh, assistant professor and cryptographer at John Hopkins Information Security Institute, that's a that's a mouthful, Apple's passcoding protections, for example, a four-digit passcode is crackable in 6.5 minutes on average with this box called the gray key. 6.5 minutes. Now, if you have a six-digit passcode, it takes it can be roughly calculated and broken in 11 hours. 11 hours. So that's that that that's kind of that's that's kind of wild right there. This exploit that disables Apple's passcode protections. Now, one of the things that people talk about is like, hey, when I plug in my phone, after 10 tries, it prevents me from getting into it. Well, it appears that the gray key box bypasses that and allows it to continue to hit it and hit it. <laughs> Just hit that and then enables it to eventually get to your passcode and unlock it. Grayshift, the parent company of this, charges $15,000 for a gray key box. It requires an internet connection. It's geofenced to a specific location, so you can't just take this box and say, hey, buddy, you want to use this? No. Part of the deal is that it needs to be, it needs to stay in a specific location that is authorized, so clearly law enforcement agencies. Uh, police forces like the Maryland State Police, Indiana State Police, Miami-Dade County Police have purchased them or are soon going to purchase the gray key technology. So this whole idea, we had a lot of cases a few years ago where law enforcement was trying to get access to phones. Some of them involved terrorism and being able to see what the records and what information and what you know text messaging exchanges have happened on the phone because these are our lives now these days, not only for good, but for bad. And they wanted to try and find if there was any evidence on their phones, which most likely there was, but... They couldn't get access to them. Um, there were some companies that were able to kind of get around it, but it just hasn't been that easy. So gray key is one of those things. It's, it's kind of fascinating and I think worth looking up if you're kind of interested in that type of stuff. But again, $15,000 for a gray key box and it allows for 300 unlocks or $30,000 for a gray key box that requires no connection and can be used, okay, my mistake, it can be used, this version can be used anywhere and can unlock an unlimited number of devices. I'm sure they're not just selling these on the black market, but, you know, eventually that stuff does get out. All right, I wanted to take a break to show some love to our sponsor. Right now, guess who Guess who that is? That is you all. Thank you so much for everyone that has sponsored me on patreon.com slash Tong. We're about halfway to our goal to make this a regularly weekly show. Obviously, I've got to show you what I'm producing, what content I'm making, so that's why I'm doing the show right now. I'm continuing to grow it and add new things, work on a, getting a video version coming up soon, but we're halfway to our goal, so if you can, if you have the time, if I've given you any value over the past 10 years and you still love what I do, I'd appreciate it so much, and I'm grateful for that. So just check it out, patreon.com slash Tong. All right, this story in a, a little chuckle for the week. This came out, I think, towards the end of last week, reported by our friends at Bloomberg and Mark German. 
In a leaked memo, Apple warns employees to stop leaking information. It's a leaked memo that Apple said stop leaking information. That that really worked out great. Now, we've seen, this is quite honestly partially why I've been able to do what I've done so much is thanks to these leakers, everyone wants to know what is going on with Apple. But it's not even just internal leaks from Apple. We're talking about people overseas in factories taking photos that confirm form factor and designs, leaking out renders, uh, the actual CAD file designs. That's not stuff that Apple can necessarily control themselves when it's overseas. But because it's getting a little out of hand, Apple sent an internal memo that, again, was leaked to tell employees, like, stop leaking our information. Just stop it. Now, what they also did is within, within this memo, they said, like, hey, we caught 29 leakers last year. And 12 of those people were arrested. So if you want to do this, think twice. In their memo, which was a long, I can't read the whole thing because it was long. One of, the, one of the things they said is, these people not only lose their jobs, they can face extreme difficulty finding employment elsewhere. So the kind of, one of the situations was when Craig Federighi had an actual meeting that then told employees that some of the iPhone software features were going to be delayed because we're going to instead really work on the polish and the stability of iOS. Yeah, that's still iOS 11, the buggiest iOS Apple has ever released, even to this day. I I have 11.4, and I don't know if any of you have seen it. I tweeted it out on my uh, at Brian Tong account, but there are times where actual icon, sometimes a random icon on your home screen, will move from its native spot and then slide up to the top left-hand corner and kind of live a little bit behind your top left-hand corner icon. So it's almost like two icons stacked together but staggered. It's really weird. It's happened like three or four times to me. I'm sure it's happened to you guys, but yeah, iOS 11, still buggy. Anyways, Federighi had a meeting that said that we're gonna delay some of these features and such as like a revamped home screen. Uh, I think, I can't remember off the top of my head some of the other features that were there, but that was leaked out to media. Everyone heard about it. And yeah, it was a black eye to a certain degree, but Apple needs to get their ish together. They also talked about other examples, um, you know, of how leaks have happened and how it hurts the company. But look, in 2012, I believe it was 2012, Apple themselves, Tim Cook said, we are going, we are going to double down on security. It was like this infamous, just double down on secrecy. It was this infamous quote that even right after he said that, a few weeks later, the latest iPhone specs and designs were leaked right after that. And it's been that way. People are so fascinated about this. I think the leaks do kind of take away some of the hype and excitement around events. It's just really been that way now. It's just the culture of how it is. Nothing can really be a secret. But look, I'll say there were there were products like the HomePod, which we kind of knew about, but we didn't really know about. And then when Apple revealed it, it was very lackluster. Like whether there were going whatever was leaked about the HomePod, the thing is that you can be disappointed when information is leaked, but you can still present it, the product in a way that can still be exciting. I honestly believe that. The HomePod, we kind of knew a bit about it. We finally saw it. 
But when Apple actually delivered the goods or at least told us what it would do, we were like, huh? And then when they actually delivered the product, it was still a half-baked product. So that's on them to not only keep things secret, but then also deliver a great product. At the end of the day, even if some things are leaked, there were things that you could focus on instead of emojis that can make a product more exciting for the user. emojis that's for my mom. That's for my niece. That's for my sister. They don't even use emojis. They don't even have iPhone 10s, actually, when I think about it. But at least I've seen the emoji craze was fun. It was cute. Yeah, it was a little buzzworthy. I haven't used emojis in at least two, three months. So I don't know about you. Maybe you guys, maybe you guys and gals can let me know what is your emoji use at? 833-888-ABXL. We got the voicemails back. I'm telling you, that's a big thing because I love you all and you're just as part of the show, big a part of the show as we are. So one of the things that they also talked about in the security uh, article is that Global Securities Digital Forensics also helped catch several employees from Apple who were feeding confidential details about new products, including iPhone 10, iPad Pro, and AirPods to a blogger at 9to5Mac. Thanks, 9to5Mac. Honestly, you helped, you helped us out. All right, we got some Apple Watch news. You know me, Apple Watch, uh, one of the best products that Apple has released in a long time specifically the Series 3, finally a polished product, a product that I could honestly recommend to anyone in the Apple ecosystem that is curious about it. Again, the Series 3, because don't tell me the Series 1 was that great. Some of y'all get mad at me and say, oh, you hated the Series 1. I didn't hate it. I just thought it wasn't that great of a product. The Series 3 is amazing. And guess what? They can even make the Series 4 even better. But a new report says watch, guess what? A new leak, surprisingly enough. Watch OS 4.3.1, the beta, hints at future support for third-party Apple Watch faces. So we have a variety of Apple Watch faces that are nice, and you can customize them. I actually like them. I'm down with them. But have any of you ever wanted, like, you know, another company to do some cool, like, watch faces or things like that? Well, it appears that there is code in the beta unearthed by 9to5Mac that suggests that we could see third-party watch faces. I know some people are not for that because they're like, oh, I don't want some crappy watch face that doesn't look good. So what? Make them available. Put them on the App Store. Apple's going to approve the ones they want through the App Store anyways. They're going to control this process no matter what. So just let it be. Also, this is great news. I've I heard a lot about this issue, but Apple had done nothing and really didn't address it. Apple is now offering free repairs. Free repairs of the 42 millimeter Apple Watch Series 2 models with swollen batteries. So Apple Repair select Apple Watch Series 2 models that do not power on anymore or have this swollen battery free of charge as part of a new service policy. This is where the screen a lot of times would even kind of pop up out of place at an angle. The quote from Apple says that they've determined under certain conditions some Apple Watch Series 2 devices may not power on or they may experience an expanded battery. So Apple will service these devices free of charge. Um, according to the document numbered SN4534 in Apple's internal GSX portal. So they'll be able to identify which ones um, are part of this. Apple Watch Series 2 models, right, that are, again, 42 millimeter sized Apple Watch Series 2. 
There were the Sport Edition, the Hermes, the Nike Plus variants. Uh, so check that out. You might have had that issue and nothing was happening, and they'll fix it. Part of the what makes devices great, apps. I thought this was really cool. We're checking out. There is a new sleep cycle for iPhone app that is uh, was introduced a year ago, but now it's been updated. Sleep Cycle debuts an Apple Watch app with snore prevention and a silent alarm. Snore prevention, you know who needs that? My brother. My brother Jason. The dude needs Sleep Cycle ASAP. So what happens here is uh, it uses the Taptic engine. Sleep Cycle will give your wrist like a subtle tap when the iPhone app actually detects that you're snoring, which is... So the iPhone app must listen <laughs> to hear you snore, but this tap on your wrist is subtle enough that it's not going to really wake you up. It might. It's kind of like when maybe if you're sleeping with your significant other and they kind of nudge you and your body kind of nudges, but you don't really feel it or realize it. The idea is that the sleep cycle app on your phone will prompt you to change positions, which can obviously help you stop snoring. It also has kind of the gradual silent alarm feature that helps you kind of wake up gradually. That That's nice too. Uh, but I'm curious. The thing about it is I don't wear my Apple Watch when I sleep. I'm actually curious how many of you actually use your Apple Watch or any type of fitness band. I know everyone here doesn't have an Apple Watch. What about a Fitbit? What about a, a Pebble? Like, do you sleep with your watch? That's kind of nasty to me. It's kind of gross if you actually ask me. So, uh, check out Sleep Cycle. I think it's 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 an app we're talking about. Absolutely, we're talking about. All right, check this out. We have another leak coming to us from our friends at Bloomberg. According to Bloomberg News, Apple is working on planning to launch a news subscription service. So a little while ago, they recently acquired Texture. It's a magazine app and they're looking to roll it into their Apple News platform. Unfortunately, about 20 of the Texture staff were cut after the acquisition, but what Apple is looking to do is debut their own premium subscription offering, according to Bloomberg. The move is a part of a broader push by Apple to generate more revenue from their online content and services. Apple has made that a big goal. I, I, I feel like... I don't know exactly what the number was, but it was almost something like Apple was planning to double their revenue from their services, which includes iCloud, uh, Apple Music, also you know iTunes Match, and then this would be kind of another feather they could put in their cap. Again, if they ever released a freaking Apple TV subscription service that they should have done years ago, they would have been making a whole lot more money now. But you know what? It's I'm never going to say it's too late for Apple, but everyone is using other platforms. The ecosystem is very powerful, but it was one of my biggest letdowns from them that year. I believe it might have been 2015 where we just didn't see a single Apple TV subscription service. It might have been 2016. But uh, if, you want, if you're not familiar with Texture, it let users subscribe to more than 200 magazines for $9.99 a month. Now, you know me, I'm a huge fan of the iPad Pro. I love it because I read comic books on it. Uh, I do read digital magazines on it. So if it, as long as it has all the magazines that I actually read, $9.99 a month isn't actually that bad. Uh, but for me, I only read really like two or three magazines, Entertainment Weekly, Wired, and um, 
and uh, Empire. Empire Magazine is awesome. I know that Entertainment Weekly and Wired were a part of this service, but Empire was not. So again, it comes down to the type of user you are. I definitely, I don't, I don't, I've never subscribed to the magazine from uh, that four letter word company that uh, shall not be named. If you know what I mean, you know what I mean. But uh, this is, this is interesting. It's a way for them to generate more revenue. We are, we, if you remember, Apple used to even have this app called Newsstand that kind of took your magazine subscriptions and put it all in this one place. I thought it was kind of clunky and lame and they completely ditched that. But I, to be honest, I I didn't think I'd use the news app that much, but I totally use the news the Apple News app on the iPad. I think it's elegant, it's nice. You kind of set the brands or companies you want to follow and they show up and uh it it is a cool interface. I really do enjoy it. I never thought I would. So I got to give them props for that news app and we'll see what they do with uh with this kind of subscri- magazine subscription service. It's 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 pretty interesting. Oh, here we go. This is this is what the quote I was talking about. Apple um, set a bold target for its services division, um, which grew twenty three percent to thirty billion dollars in their two thousand seventeen fiscal year. Executives have said they're targeting f- roughly fifty billion dollars for their services division by twenty twenty one. So they've got to release more services to do this. Uh, this is one of those ways. So I like it. I'm totally behind it. Um, this is kind of a fun follow-up. We talked about the whole, we've talked about the whole iPad event, the education event that Apple had. Although this story comes later from it, the Sydney Morning Herald's Peter Wells uh, filed a report talking about what Apple, what Tim Cook's Apple CEO said about kind of the future of hardware and software. And again, Tim Cook doubled down and insisted that putting the Mac and the iPad together would result in compromises. Cook said, we don't believe in sort of watering down one for the other. One of the reasons that both of them are incredible is because we push them to do what they do well. And if you begin to merge the two, you begin to make trade-offs and compromises. So maybe he also added, maybe the company would be more efficient at the end of the day, but that's not what it's about. It's about giving people things they can then use to help them change the world or express their passion or express their creativity. So this merger thing that some folks are fixated on, I don't think that's what users want. Tim, look at the Surface Pro. Like, look at the Surface Pro. There's plenty of people that have actually left that Mac Pro, MacBook Pro line Partially is that that just horrible, god-awful touch bar thing that you guys got going. Like, I wish you could just scrap that or give it some sort of haptic feedback so it feels like an actual button. It's I mean, I'd hate I hated using that and I, I don't have one with a touch bar anymore and I'm okay with it. Like I don't miss it. I literally don't miss it at all. But you know, remember this was Tim Cook was also back in 2012, he made a joke about the Surface Pro. Uh, being multifunctional, and this is the exact quote he said. In 2012, you can converge a toaster and a refrigerator, but you know those things are not going to be probably pe- probably be pleasing to the user. I'm sorry, I would love a toaster and a refrigerator combined. 
Like, could you imagine you like shove the bread in the front of the refrigerator and then you're like doing things and like the bread just pops out? Like you don't have to have a separate toaster? I don't know. I think that's cool. Or like what if the refrigerator took your took your bread and then like buttered it and put all that jelly on it inside the fridge after it toasted it and then spit it out? Tell me, Tim Cook, you wouldn't want that. Tell me. I know, I know all of you right now, you might, you might be getting hungry right now after I just told you that. You might want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You ever had Encrustables? Man, oh, those are amazing. I have them in my freezer. I'm going to eat one right after this show. I am going to eat one after this show. All right, that's going to do it for this week. Again, thank you so much. Part of being, this, part of being a part of this, supporting me at patreon.com. Every show, I show love to my Platinum Apples. They have sponsored the show for $100 a month. Nothing but love for Brandon Ledford, Terrence McElvey from Stratos Wealth Partners, Gil Cabrera, and Andy Halverson. Thank you, gentlemen. You guys are awesome in keeping me doing what I do, and I can't be anything more than appreciative of this. Uh, but there you go. Everyone, again, the phone lines are back. The call-ins are back. Call in at 833-888-ABXL, stands for AppleBitsXL, or 833-888-2295. All right, that's going to do it for this week. Thanks so much for hanging. Take care, be safe, and we'll talk to you next week. It's AppleBitsXL, baby. Peace. Peace.